from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. This is Sermons by the Park. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepard, and it's summertime here in New England, which means it's time for folks to get some time away, maybe down on the Cape or up in Maine or New Hampshire. Here at Union, we are getting away. We've made the move outside to worship under the oaks and the pines and the hickory trees in our outdoor sanctuary just inside Bird Park next to our church building. You are, of course, invited. In fact, you are more than welcome if you're in the area to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. All we ask is that you bring your own chair, but we always keep a few extras on hand if you don't have one. And if you are away, you can worship with us from afar via live stream on Facebook at facebook.com slash churchbythepark. Our summer sermon series is called One Verse Wonders. These are messages drawn from the wisdom and inspiration of a single chosen verse of Scripture each Sunday. I'd encourage you not only to listen for the Word of God here, but to take each week's verse and maybe write it down and keep it in your pocket, or maybe memorize it so that you can call it to mind as you go about your day. You'd be amazed by how just a few words can open up a whole new world of possibilities. Here's this week's message. And the first scripture today is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out from the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole day of his life and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camels here, with a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts with wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. As we continue our sometime summer series of sermons called One Verse Wonders, today our sermon text is from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43, verse 19. Let's continue to listen for God's word for us here today. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Been thinking a lot lately about beginnings, new beginnings of things. It's a it's a season for that when we have a new baby in the house. We think a lot about 
new beginnings. Uh, I had occasion uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, something happened that got me thinking about beginnings. I got my new planner for the next year. Starts in July, goes to next July. Jim knows he's a big fan of the planner. I try to be organized. And so it's an important day when the new planner comes and I can start writing things down. September, October, even December. Trying to get ahead of the curve. Thinking about a new year of the life of this church unfolding before us. Thinking a lot about the beginnings. Maybe you have some beginnings in your own lives lately. The thing about beginnings is that there is nothing more exciting and beautiful than trying a new thing. There's also nothing more terrifying and confusing sometimes than starting something new. I guess the question, the question that this experience prompts in my heart today is where is God when we are beginning again? Where is God in the midst of new beginnings? And the an answer I think our scripture indicates to us this morning is that God is in the wilderness. We look again and again throughout scripture, what we see is that when something new is going to spring forth, when something is about to begin, it usually begins in the wilderness. God is often concealed just beneath the surface of things, or just outside of what we see in our regular and ordinary life. That is where God begins again. And it's up to us to see that new thing is bringing forth as the prophet asks us to do. And this is one of the things that uh, I noted about the tradition known as Celtic spirituality, which is a tradition of the Christian church that stretches back uh, nearly to the beginning of the church itself. The word Celt refers to peoples from the northern part of uh, the British Isles, as well as Ireland, of course. The word actually means the hidden ones, or the concealed ones. The Celts was a term that the Romans used to talk about the people that were just beyond their reach and their power. Interestingly enough, the term kilt is related to the term kilt, which is, of course, for concealing certain things. <laughs> but Celtic spirituality, in that interesting way, is aptly named because it's, a it's about a particular kind of attention to the hidden things. One of the great Irish theologians of the, the medieval period, a man named John Scotus Eregina, uh, wrote that in the 10th century, so the 900s, he said that there are two books from which we can learn about God. Scripture is one book. He said the other is the book of creation. And this is a theme that runs all throughout the tradition of Celtic spirituality. It also is part of our theological tradition, or our theological tradition, to focus on Scripture as the Word of God, as the window into God's world. But another Irish missionary once said, if you wish to understand the Creator, about which Scripture speaks, then you have to understand first their creation. Now, sometimes people think that this 
means that Celtic spirituality is about the worship of nature, pantheism, this idea that, the, that we worship the rocks. But it's not quite the same. We don't worship the trees and the rocks and the stones that we encounter. Rather, we see these as opportunities to worship and wonder at the one who created them. Like most creations, when we come upon them, the creator is hidden from us. The old Celtic saying that heaven and earth are three feet apart, and in some places they're even closer than that. Sometimes concealment doesn't mean things are far from us. In fact, things can be concealed from us right in front of our faces. So there's this tradition of, of going to what the Celts call hidden places, places where heaven and earth come closer together. Because these are folks who lived on islands, they paid attention to the edges and the boundaries of things. They recognized that where their world ended, there was a whole ocean of possibilities beyond it. As Christianity came to Ireland early on, fourth and fifth century, it took on a characteristic orientation towards this unique kind of place, towards these edges, towards these thin places. Often they would build uh, or construct stone crosses there, and there would be a practice of gathering at those crosses. Celtic spirituality in the Christian tradition is a very much place-based faith. And I think that's something that we all can identify here in our church, because this is a very place-based church. But we want to see uh, and recognize where we are and where our faith is rooted, even as we look around and recognize the possibilities that lie beyond our place. Because, of course, as I said, God often does not begin a new thing in the familiar God does not often begin anything in the comfortable and the near anymore, but in the wilderness. These are peopleless places, and that is where a new thing strikes forth. It's where the gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. When I think about wilderness landscapes, uh, this country is a wonderful example because it is full of wild places. New England is a wonderful wild place. Once you just get out beyond the towns a little bit into the forests and you try to imagine what it would be like if there were roads and uh, lumber companies cutting through these trees and forests, how thick and, and disorienting it would be to be out there. There are other places where mountains rise thousands and thousands of feet above the sea level, wide oceans of prairie grass stretch out. But of course, the most often haunting and mysterious part of the country is the Southwest. It's often a place people have gone and have sought to connect with the wilder side of things. There was a photographer in the 1970s named uh, Richard Neustrash. He was famous for taking pictures of the Southwest and sort of reviving landscape photography there. He said that in that place, the world is as terrible as it is beautiful. But if you look closer, you see that it is as beautiful as it is terrible. 
somewhere in the southwest, one of the great wonders there is the Grand Canyon. It's the Grand Canyon, which this wide hole in the ground carved by this tiny stream of water over millions and millions of years. Through the middle of the Grand Canyon flows the Colorado River. And one of the interesting discoveries of the United States Geological uh, uh, Survey was in 2017 that it was determined that the Colorado River, which we often think of as being fed by mountain streams, actually more than half of its water doesn't come down from the mountains as the snow is lifted up. In fact, more than half of its water seems to bubble up out of nowhere, combining to become this, this raging river. In some places, it bubbles right back down. It's going more and more. I learned that uh, underwater aquifers, which are places where water is stored beneath the earth, are not really like lakes or storage tanks. They're more like rivers that flow along carrying water from one place to another until it springs forth, until the sediment is loose enough that the water can bubble up to the surface and become a river that emerges as if from nothing. That's the image of the prophet. Employs to describe for us how God's grace works, how it appears in our life, and then springing forth away in the wilderness, a river in the desert. Seeing a river in the midst of the desert is, of course, beautiful. It is beauty surrounded by the terror of deprivation, the emptiness of the wilderness, but this is a window into God's own heart. For when God looks out at the world, sometimes God sees the wilderness. Wonders where the people are who are doing the work of God, who are pouring out the grace of God. Allowing ourselves to venture into the wilderness is to allow ourselves to read from this book of creation and to hear the voice of God crying out. And that is true in nature, that is true out in wild places, but wilderness is not just about geography, it is also a kind of way of being. Navigating a new stage in life, maybe navigating life after death, or after the loss of a job, or the midst of a new transition, all of these are moments in the wilderness for in between times where we have to begin. In some ways, this congregation has been in the wilderness of the COVID pandemic and the disorientation of that time. We find ourselves now in a new world where many of the things and expectations of what we once did don't seem like they will work. So we begin again to do what we've done before, try to get back to our roots. That doesn't mean we get out of the wilderness right away. In fact, sometimes we have to begin again and again and again. Find ourselves back in the wilderness again and again and again. And while that sounds terrible, it can also be beautiful. Because in the beginning, God creates. Genesis has said God created out of the deep. The deep there is a description of the chaotic waters of the sea. 
Of course, we heard the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Mark's gospel, the oldest of the gospels. The first words of the good news of Christ come to us from John the Baptizer, crying out in the wilderness in his funny outfit with his strange diet of locusts and honey. And he said, The one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In Celtic Christianity, there is a tradition of thinking of the Holy Spirit a lot. But in Celtic Christianity, the Holy Spirit is not the peaceful dove that comes down from heaven and alights nicely upon the shoulder. The image of the Holy Spirit in Celtic spirituality is the wild goose. The wild goose, that's what the Holy Spirit looks like. Have you ever heard of a wild goose chase? That is what it is like to try to catch the Holy Spirit sometimes. I love that image. Because the wild goose is kind of hard to catch. It's not peaceful. And in fact, the reason, though, that they chose this, at least one of the things that wild geese do, is that they sound the alarm for their friends. When danger approaches, the geese start honking, or they start hissing, or they start making all sorts of noises. They may go wherever they want, but they go together, and when there is danger approaching, they make sure everyone knows. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for us. It wakes us up, both to the perils and to the possibilities of what is right in front of us. The God has given to us so that we may perceive the new thing. Of course, you can't find the wild geese unless you get out of your house. You go out into the wilderness to find them. Of course, the beginning of our new life in Christ doesn't just begin in the wilderness, it doesn't just begin at that chaotic beginning of creation, but it begins out beyond comfortable places. It begins out in a tomb, in a garden, up beyond the walls of Jerusalem. And that is where they buried the crucified Christ. But on the first day of the week, the beginning of the week, outside the walls, outside the boundaries, Christ lived again. God began a new thing in the resurrection of Jesus and we have been baptized into that. And by faith, we participate in that. And by faith, we are given participation and presence in the midst of Christ's ongoing life in this world. And so, friends, out here in the wilderness, we have to ask ourselves, do we perceive? Do we perceive? For God is making a way in the wilderness, and rivers flowing in the desert. Now it springs. Jesus told his disciples from a mountaintop, a thin place, they were to go and make disciples. But he reminded them that wherever they were, whatever wilderness they were, I will be with you always. The beginning, middle,
Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message has blessed you and that you got something out of it that you can take with you all along life's journey, wherever that may take you. If you want to learn more about Union Congregational Church, our life and ministry together, you can visit churchbythepark.org. Our theme music is Victim and Victor by RKVC. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you.